Blue Shirts fans to episode number 117 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick, and today we're going to have a very special guest joining us. He joined us one time in the past, Mr. Bobby Sampson, really good friend of mine, back from our college days, really big hockey fan, really big Philadelphia Flyers fan, so we're going to talk a little bit about the Rangers, a little bit about the Flyers, a little bit about hockey in general as we all kind of keep our fingers crossed here, hoping the season can restart. And Bobby and I talked for quite a while when we recorded this, so probably going to break it into two episodes, and this is going to be part one of our conversation right now. All right, and so without any further ado, let's go ahead, welcome our special guest for the day, making his second appearance on Lockdown New York Rangers, Mr. Bobby Sampson, calling in from King of Prussia. Bobby, how are we doing today, buddy? Good, man. How you doing? Uh, hanging in there. You know, we're living in some uh, bizarre times right now, obviously, but, uh, you know, just trying to make the best of it. Uh, how are things out your way in the in the Philadelphia area there? Well, you know, <clears throat> they're not as uh, tightly packed as New York City is, I would say. Right. Uh, not a bunch of hamsters living in cages up there. But uh, so it's not spreading as badly here. We uh, actually have a nursing buddy that is working in an ICU. He said it's not so bad. Some more ventilator usage, obviously, but we should be leveling off here. Sounds good. And uh, I mean, are you guys able to, to be out and about a lot or are people mostly staying home? Have, have you basically just been kind of staying home like like we've been doing up here in the Northeast? Yeah, everybody's staying home. I mean, it's really people who have uh other symptoms and things going on, other diseases, like especially diabetes is one of the bigger killers. And apparently this attacks the lungs. So that's why the ventilator is important, but right. it doesn't escalate to that high with many people. It's only the people that have exacerbated cases because of it. And uh, now that we've obviously, you know, talked about the elephant in the room, so to speak, uh, we can dive into some hockey stuff here. Talk a little Rangers, talk a little flyers. Um, one thing I want to get your opinion on is this, this conversation comes up every so often in Rangerland who is going to be the next captain. And, you know, I've, I've had guests on here that have talked about it. I've talked about it a little bit on the show. I want to get kind of like an outsider's perspective, so to speak, you know, a Flyers fan weighing in on the situation. So, I mean, is there anyone that jumps out for you that the two guys that I'm hearing the most are Kreider and Zabanajad, but I mean, feel free to toss out any idea, any thoughts there on who might be the next Ranger captain. I mean, it's gotta be Zabanajad or Panarin's going to need it. I mean, I don't know how Panarin is as a leader, so if yeah. he's like a guy who really wants it, then fine. But he might be a lifelong assistant captain. Yeah, I, I get the feeling, you know, guys definitely follow him. They like him. They kind of gravitate to him. But, you know, his English isn't the best. And next year will just be his second season on the Rangers. So I think for that reason, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a dark horse candidate. But I, I get the feeling it would either be Zibanejad or Kreider between the two of them. Yeah, I just love Zibanejad. He's so yeah. nasty. <laughs> no, I know you. You were a big fan of him. I remember back when uh, the Rangers traded Brassard to the Senators, and I was a little bit upset about that. And you know, it's one of those things. I understood why the Rangers did it, even though I wasn't necessarily happy about it. But you were really bullish on Zibanejad even back then. You said, "Dude, this guy is legit. This guy is the real deal. You're really gonna like him." And I was kind of like, "Yeah, all right, you know." But I really like Brassard, and I mean, you were right, man. I got to give you your props there. I mean, Zibanejad is, has become everything the Rangers could have expected and more. It is rare that you get a top-line talent at center 
from stupid Ottawa Senators. <laughs> How do they make that trade? How do you make that trade as a GM? And they wonder why they were in such a terrible place last year. I mean, it's like, come on, guys, you got to keep these people long term. And even the Nolan Patricks that we're about to talk about, he's got this migraine issue, so he hasn't played much at all this season. But you got to take a gamble on three potential number ones before you get one. And here's a number one that was a guaranteed hit, and you passed on it. I just, I can't believe it. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, I mean, you could maybe make the argument that at, at the exact time that the trade was made, maybe at that time, Broussard was still a better player than Zibanejad, but he was five years older, and it's pretty obvious that Zibanejad was going to eclipse him. So that that's the part that always leaves me scratching my head as far as what the Ottawa Senators could have possibly been thinking when they made that trade. Oh, my God. And, you know, his Corsi is 50%, so he's not hurting it. And he's just four goals a game sometimes. He's offensive. He's a leader. He's also defensive. He's a bigger body. I mean, he's everything you'd want, and you'd pay top dollar out on the free agency market. And for some reason, Ottawa was just like, sure, we'll give him to you for Sean Avery. (laughs) (laughs) Sean Avery. That's a blast from the past. Now, you wanted to talk about a couple different players on the Flyers. I know that, you know, there's still a possibility that the NHL could come back this season. I know JVR was one of them. Uh, getting some rest. I mean, do you think it could benefit the Flyers, you know, as far as if the season resumes and the playoffs start? I mean, are some of these players going to benefit from this rest that, that they're getting right now? Well, I know that the Olympics were canceled, and that's towards the end of the summer. And I think Bettman is the NHL commissioner. He's the one who's saying that we have plenty of time. And it's more a question of, do we get the players in? You got to get them up to speed because otherwise they're going to get hurt doing weird stuff. They're not conditioned properly, and they're all at home right now. So there's going to be an uptick. And then do you play all the games the rest of the season? You kind of have to, to be fair. Yep. But that's another time constraint. And then we're into this whole long playoff situation. So we need to get going soon, and I think it will, even if it's just them playing games without an audience. I mean, I'm all about that, just to keep the fairness of the game. But right. uh, they got to get it going soon because we are running out of time. Yeah, and you know, you, you brought up an interesting point. You know, do you finish the regular season? Do you play a few more games of the regular season? And and to your point, I think that you have to get it to a point where all these teams have played an even number of regular season games because right now I don't have the standings in front of me, but I know there's one team that's like one point out of the playoffs, but they've all they've also played two fewer games than one of the teams in front of them or even two of the teams in front of them. So it wouldn't really be fair to leave that team out of the playoffs. So I don't know what the solution is. It really is a, a unique situation brought on by obviously unfortunate circumstances. And yeah, that team comes back and they just have like three game win streak because they're fresh and they were beat up before. Like you've just totally changed the fairness of the game in a way. Yeah. It does yeah. become a lot more like playoffs earlier, but I mean, I like your idea where you said bring 24 teams in the playoffs. I was laughing about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that was actually going to be one of my next questions. I mean, it, it's an idea that's obviously been kicked around a little bit. And, you know, I, I assume the way that would work. I don't know if you would break it into the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference or if it would just be all 24 teams, you know, seated one through 24. But, you know, you would have eight teams with a bye and then you would have the other 16 playing in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, do you like this idea? Could it work for just one season? Should it work this year? I mean, is, is that a route that we should go down? I think the entire game should be three on three. <laughs> just to make it as weird as possible yeah. uh, you know you and i share one great memory and that was well for me more than you was when the flyers had basically a playoff game against the rangers yeah. a couple seasons ago it wasn't that long ago although maybe it was we're old now but 
<laughs> yeah, no, that, that was about eight years ago now, man. It's, it's pretty crazy to think about. Maybe even nine. I, I'd have to look it up. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but go ahead. Share your yeah, but that was that such game. a random situation to have a playoff game, or I mean a regular season game, determine the playoffs, go to overtime, and a shootout to get into the playoffs. Like, that is such yeah. a weird thing to have happen. That's the kind of situation we'd be creating everywhere in the league if we do something funky, which might be fun and a good chance to experiment on other ideas to make it more fair. Because it's not very fair right now when you have all the good teams in the East plus one to the West. Like when Arizona looks threatening to take the top spot, you know you got a problem with Phil Kessel on that team. <laughs> Getting back to that Rangers Flyers thing, I mean, I'll, I'm I'm willing to uh, you know bite the bullet here and talk about that a little bit. But I remember <laughs> it, it came it came down to the end of the regular season. Well, first of all, the Rangers were like dead and buried in the standings that year to the point where even I gave up, and I'm usually pretty optimistic. And then they just like. <laughs> They just went on this rampage just completely out of nowhere. They were just wrecking teams every night. And I'm just like, where has this been all season? Like, how is this happening? So they scratch and claw their way back into it. And then they beat the Flyers in their second to last game of the regular season. And then they have to beat them again in the last game. And and like you said, it was winner goes to the playoffs and loser goes home. And you just you really do not see that very often. Just just an insane situation. And then going to the shootout as well. And like, they're always crazy at the end of the year because every point matters. But like, that was just. I'd never seen anything like it. And we never win shootouts. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, and, we won one. And Boucher was in net, I think. Yep, and I he, think he was. He's not even that good of a goalie. He's a better announcer than he was a goalie. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I remember going in the shootout. I'm like, like when the overtime ended, I was almost kind of happy because I'm thinking, like, all right, well, Lundqvist versus Boucher in a shootout. I mean, you have to like your chances here. No oh guarantees. God, the odds were so but... stacked on your side. It was unbelievable that we won. Uh, I and really then, can't believe it. And I remember um, our last chance, it came down to Ollie Jokinen, who was like a guy that the Rangers traded for at the deadline that season. And as soon as I saw him on the ice, I just said, we're screwed. There's no <laughs> way we're winning. This. There's no way this guy's going to score. Because <laughs> he oh, just did God. absolutely nothing for the Rangers that year. So I, I just, I, I yeah, I did not have a good feeling when I saw it was going to come down to Jokinen. Dude, I looked up the Fedotenko thing. Because it's like Fedotenko and Hartnell throughout the years, I've always like, oh, and then. Even yeah. Borchek, I do too, because they go in these lulls where they just don't do anything. Like they're not even playing hockey; they're just out there skating around. And I'm just like, "What are you doing?" And every time I say something mid-game, they end up scoring or doing something that makes them look like they have a good stat line, but they're just terrible players. So yeah, yeah. is so that player. <laughs> <laughs> where like you can't rely on him in a big spot, you know? You really you're going Jokinen? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And, uh, you know, Fedotenko, it's interesting you mentioned him because he ended up on the Rangers for maybe just a season or two. And I didn't mind him. I I thought he did all right. But by then, they just had him on the fourth line. So maybe that's why nobody was really expecting him to do a whole lot. And it kind of just, it's like he's a good fourth line player rather than like a weak second line player, if that makes sense. Yep. He's not like, um, I can't remember his name. He was just on the Flyers. He's garbage. Like there's a couple garbage dumpster fires that are a lot worse. Laterra, that's who it is. One of the other podcasts I listen to, BSH Radio, they on him all the time with good, good reason. But like, you could end up in like fourth line needs to be good nowadays. And you're bringing up a great point that teams don't win with three lines anymore. Like, you have to have four solid lines defensively and offensively. And just it's a matter of time to win your chances. I mean, it it doesn't work any other way anymore. Because again, the fighting we were talking about earlier. You don't have to have the enforcers anymore. 
And the whole complexion of the game has changed with video replay. Now you can see people doing illegal things and find them rather than throwing them in the box or having to fight them to get them to stop. It's such a weird place we're at with the league right now. Yeah, and it's almost like, you know, the fourth line doesn't really act like a fourth line anymore. It's just kind of like the least talented scorers. Because, like, you back in the day, I mean, not even that long ago, really, you didn't really rely on your fourth line to score goals. And not that that many fourth lines are going to score a ton of goals. But it's it's to your point, it's gotten to the point where you got to have some offensive skill if you want to be a forward in this league. There aren't any guys that are just out there to, to be goons and be enforcers and fight. You have to be able to do uh, more than that at this point. Exactly. And, you know, I'm so tired of the Flyers of old where it was like Primo, Recchi, and LeClaire, and that was it. And like yeah. one defenseman, Desjardins, who's like gosh, the spirit right now, not even that great at defense. And you're just like, damn it. Like, we're never going to go far in the playoffs. We'll get there because we got some talented players, but it's not complete. And when the Flyers went to the Cup in, I think, 06, it was like every line that was out there was either Briere was out there or like Carter line was out there. There was just somebody good all the time. And then Pronger sitting in the back with a big oak tree, just sweating, swatting things away. Like, yeah, it, that's what you need. And I, unfortunately, I think the Rangers are not there yet, though they have better pieces than the Flyers do. We just have so many kids coming up and so many good, talented players that are willing to play fourth line roles like James Van Riemsdyk, who how did he end up on a fourth line and is still producing? That's insane, the amount of yeah. threat we have all over that team for free agents. Like, I don't want Flyers to do anything. You do not buy another player. You guys definitely should fill some holes, and I would do it through youth because you got time on uh, Zimbenejad and Panarin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we can get into, I, I mean, I know one of the things we want to talk about, I have a list here of, uh, it, it's a, an article that just dropped the other day, the top 30 uh, free agents. I thought maybe we could talk about that, look to the future a little bit, but one thing I definitely want to ask you about, because we talked about this the last time we had you on the show, and Carter Hart was off to just a, a fantastic start for the Flyers. Uh, maybe slowed down a little bit since then, but o- overall still having a very good season. And at the time, I remember you being, like, cautiously optimistic, I would describe it. Um, how are you feeling about Carter Hart these days? Do you feel any better about him now than you were then? I mean, could he be the man going forward for the Flyers? Yeah, he's um, he's doing good. I mean, he's like any good talent. It's not Dominic Hashik anymore. You're not slinky for a spine rolling all over the net and being super coordinated to win games. Like, you're doing methodical stuff. It's all about probabilities and things like that. So he's just like getting that better on a pro level because you have to adjust your stances and things at a faster game. So I think that's just a transition period, but he's not like some flashy goalie. And that's why he's great is because he's just playing like Lundqvist would play, which is just highest chance of stopping the puck rather than trying to be fancy with it. Like every goalie the Flyers have ever had, Roman Cechmonic, Rizgalov, all these idiots back in net. They're talking about the universe rather than worry about where the puck is, which is right in front of them. Uh, it's it's out of control. So uh, having a stable force is great. And actually, Elliot, I've always liked him, actually, him coming up. Yeah. I just know he's old. But he's kind of Tom Bradying it, and he's been pretty solid back there, too. So I wouldn't be surprised if in the playoffs he gets a start or two, depending. Yeah, depending on how it goes, I think. I mean, I would have to think that Carter Hart would get the first crack at it. But if things go south for him and he has – you know, a rough game one and game two. Again, this is just assuming we have an NHL postseason. But if we do, and, you know, things go south for Carter Hart, I mean, yeah, you got you got another option there. It's always good to have a plan B. Yeah, and, you know, if they have back-to-back games, that's where you'd see the goalie switch up. If there's a space between yeah. every game, which, again, we're in this pandemic situation where they might have to just cram all the games, like two on, one day off, two on, one day off. Like, it's tournament style rather than 
a long marketing process. It might get crazy. Yeah, it would also really be strange to uh, to see the NHL, the Stanley Cup playoffs happening in an empty arena because, you know, there's been talk about maybe moving everybody to Minnesota and you just do all the playoff games there at various rinks, obviously, where the wild play would be one option. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd just be bizarre to have all these things. You wouldn't hear any noise other than, like, you know, the players skating, the puck hitting the boards, the players hitting the boards, maybe a little bit of chatter between the benches and whatnot. It'd be very bizarre, but, uh, hey, the Stanley Cup is the Stanley Cup. If, if you find a way, you know, to, to come out of this through this this whole pause and everything that this country and this whole world is going through and you win the Stanley Cup, I mean, you could argue that it's, it's more impressive this year than any other year that you could win the Stanley Cup. God, what a great thing that would be if the Rangers won the Stanley Cup on a year like this year. Man, don't even get me started. I, all I can think of right now in my head is Henrik Lundqvist holding the Stanley Cup over his head. The empty arenas will be awesome because I think that's going to make fans connect with the rink that they play in every day. Because a lot of the leagues I've been in are a lot of working guys that are getting up at 6 in the morning, playing their game, and then going to work. And it's a quiet rink. Nobody's really talking. We're tired. You're yeah. just out there playing and getting your exercise. That is the same kind of feel it would have. And how many times have I searched on YouTube for Drew doing the pigeon noise to uh, Van Riemsdyk when he was playing against him when he was on Toronto? Like those little sounds they make and little banters they have, you'd hear it all so clearly. You'd hear yeah. them talking smack and all this stuff like that. It might be a really great experience, especially in a limited fashion in this weird environment. You can get away with it. It might be awesome for the game. Because we're missing that fighting thing we were talking about. You kind of need some other entertainment factor rather than just chasing a puck all game. Yeah. And, you know, one of the ideas that, that I had is you could put cameras in different places because obviously, you know, I mean, you have a packed NHL arena. You're not going to have some cameraman, you know, standing in somebody's way in the middle of a section somewhere. But oh, if the arena's right. empty, yeah, you could, you could come up with, you know, some different angles, maybe like a, a shot from like, you know, maybe the corner where the boards are, you get like kind of a 45 degree angle with, with the net there and the boards. I mean, I don't know, be creative, you know, make the best of it. That That's the way I look at it. Yeah. And I really hope that uh, with all these rule changes, like why do you have a ref on the ice anymore? If you can't fight, like you only really need one or two to mitigate that. And then army waiting, standing by, but these refs being in the way of the plays is really getting annoying. Like we're in 2020 now, we're worried about fighting and we're not worried about the refs being in the way. Like, give them a tennis-style booth above the glass to look at the offsides line and have two guys on either side looking at that, yeah. two on the other side. And, like, they all put more refs in the area, too, to make these calls and make them specific and then get them off the ice. Like, I don't know why I mean, I, I know we've talked about this before a little bit. You know, you've kind of pitched this idea to me. I, I just think then the issue is, you know, I mean, first of all, they dropped the puck for the face-off, so I don't know how you would do that. Well, you got to have just... one rep. I'm not saying take okay, a ball, okay. but uh, right, the right, linesmen okay. that are sitting down in the corner where you're dumping the puck, like, why is that guy ever there? And on a clear, how many times <laughs> it, that totally takes the, like, fairness of the game out. It's awful. Yeah, I mean, that can't happen where, where you know, the puck will bounce off a referee or a linesman and it, it will affect the play. I mean, there was, there was, uh, there was one time, I think the Rangers were playing the Flyers. I, I want to, my God, this is forever ago. I think this is the 97 conference finals when the Flyers beat the Rangers. But the only game the Rangers won in that series, they, they were up by a goal late, and, you know, the Flyers pulled the goalie and everything. And they're trying to get the puck out. And, and this referee, uh, uh, Dvorsky, I believe his last name was, he had already had a terrible game. And I think he had a reputation of not really being one of the best referees. And the Rangers <laughs> are trying to play. You know his name. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. 
all these years later. And 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 the Rangers are trying to clear the puck, and this guy like twice gets in their way. And at this point, like I'm just yelling at the TV, get out of the way! Like it, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, that guy. The bad <laughs> calls at the times that Recky's been done. Okay, well, don't do that. All the Eric Lindros stuff where he's getting clocked and knocked out, and he's just like, "All right, carry on, normal hit." I'm like, "What are you doing?" Oh, that's nuts. <laughs> hey, top, uh, real quick, I just want to give a shout out to the MSG IT team. They are one of my clients for remote technology. So I want to give a shout out to them. I've been in your stadium recently. Awesome stuff, <laughs> How's that man. make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that's awesome. Everybody should go to the garden at least a couple of times, you know? Exactly. All right, and so like I said, that is just part one of a two-part conversation with Bobby Sampson. We're going to have part two most likely coming up for you guys next week. For now, that's going to do it for today. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest edition of Locked On NHL. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.